I experimented with the generic diabetes advice that you're probably being given just as much as I am, and I ended up gaining 12 pounds of fat. Now, unfortunately, this is not unheard of, and this is one of the reasons why it is so difficult to lose weight with diabetes. And in today's episode, I'm going to break down exactly what went wrong, what I was told wrong, that you're probably being told wrong as well, and then most importantly, what you can actually do about it. If you don't know who I am, my name is Matt Vandevecht. I'm a certified master fitness trainer and nutritionist. I also live with type 1 diabetes. And with my recent experiment and gaining 12 pounds of fat, I'm going to share with you exactly what you might be doing wrong without knowing it. So we'll get into our theme song. Then I got a very specific and interesting example for you. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. I'm training for a half Ironman right now, which the race itself is 70.3 miles. And in this race, uh, there's a lot of demanding pieces to it, right? Like I have to swim and then bike and then run. And recently I've had to increase my training a lot to catch up because admittedly, I've procrastinated <laughs> and I, I just didn't want to do it, okay, uh, as far as the training goes. But in this process, I thought, you know what, I'm going to experiment and just follow the generic diabetes advice that I've been given over the years by my medical team, my endocrinologist, dietitian, doctor. We're going to see if what they say works. Spoiler alert, I know it doesn't work. But I wanted to just kind of see where it would take me. And two days ago, I went for a 60-mile bike ride. It was a lot. Uh, a week before, the longest I had ever done was 40 miles. A week before that, the longest I had ever done was 20 miles. So in two weeks, I had tripled my longest distance ride <laughs> because it's out of desperation. I need to catch up to my training. But in that process, discovered some really interesting things like fat gain. Which you think, Matt, you just biked 60 miles. <clears throat> How is it possible that you've gained fat when you burned over a thousand calories in a single workout. I know, right? Very confusing. But there's a couple pieces that you might be missing and this is what I wanted to go through today. Now, weight gain in type 1 diabetes, you might be in the same boat as I was uh, two days ago in this specific workout where during my bike ride, I had to actually eat sugar to avoid going low right? And this happens so often in clients I take on and uh, we start working them through their different weight loss goals as well, is we look at hypoglycemia or low blood sugars as one of the leading causes of difficulty for weight loss with diabetes. If you're going low, you have to eat sugar to fix the low, but then you gain the calories back that you just burned, right? And we call it uh, the hypo tornado. <laughs> it's because it's a cycle that you repeat over and over and over again. And sometimes it's difficult to put a stop to it. Now, what's shocking is that during the 60 mile bike ride, I ended up consuming 202 grams of carbohydrates without taking fast-acting insulin for it. So I had multiple meals, essentially, while on the bike, 
and I never went out of range. In fact, I stayed between 84 and 150 the entire three hour and eight minute bike ride. That's insane, right? Because, I mean, first of all, as someone who lives with type 1 diabetes, I have to take insulin for all the carbs that go into my mouth, right? Not necessarily. Now, during exercise, we have what's called a glucose burn, where we are burning glucose in order to complete the exercises, and I have to take glucose in to balance that. Now, a different example, or really an alternate method that I could use, is a temporary basal rate if I'm on an insulin bump, or just taking less insulin, so I don't have to do that, right? But again, wanted to follow the generic advice. So let's break down really quick the generic advice that many of us are given when told to manage your diabetes. Number one, exercise more, right? Generally, this is a healthy thing, but when we exercise more, we have to consume more calories in order to offset the glucose burn. Basically, if I don't wanna go low during a workout, I have to eat food, right? But that kind of defeats the purpose, and in my case, as we've seen, led to actual weight gain, right? So 12 pounds over the last few weeks, uh, well, a little over a month, 12 pounds that I've gained. And I did this experiment actually because we've got a weight loss challenge specific for type 1 diabetics that's coming up where I'm going to be teaching the ins and outs of how to actually lose weight with type 1 diabetes and, and target specifically fat, right? Uh, we're doing that in uh, like a week or two, but maybe I'll give you more info on that towards the end. But I wanted to do this experiment for myself to prove not only that we know how to lose weight, but that we knew why we are gaining weight. Like how are we shooting ourselves in the foot in the first place and what mistakes can we avoid? And so in this situation, the first piece of advice that I was given was just eat a snack whenever you exercise. Well, that's all great and dandy if your only goal is stable blood sugars, which as you saw, I did stay in range, right? I consumed an enormous amount of carbohydrates, but I did stay 100% time in range. Now, the, the issue with this is that if we depend on snacks alone, that's where it becomes a bit of a crutch and it can also lead into this weight gain that I'm seeing in my own life and uh, I am admittedly going to have to lose over the next six weeks to again prove that our concepts work. I did the same thing last year. Last year I think I did it with eight pounds. This year's 12 pounds because the, the rides that I'm doing are getting longer which can kind of clearly show the issue that we have more exercise means more food which means more weight gain so it's this endless cycle where you can't exercise enough to outrun the hypos which you have to treat with fast-acting sugar which gets stored as fat so it's this seemingly endless cycle that is incredibly frustrating because the harder you try the more difficult it gets and oftentimes in this example the more steps backwards you take in fact, if you've ever experienced what we call the hypo tornado, right, where you exercise but then you go low and you have to eat more calories than you burned off in the first place and you just feel defeated and frustrated, leave a comment below. I want to see if this is a common thing. Uh, and let me know your story. I mean, there was a time before where I had to uh, get off the treadmill before I collapsed and drink three juice boxes. It was wild. I drink, I think I dropped 100 points in 20 minutes, something like that. Either way, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Add your comments. Uh, and if you have questions specific to weight loss, drop those in the comments as well. Maybe I'll make this into a series if it's helpful. Now, I want to continue this trend of what are the mistakes that we can avoid to give you some things to watch out for that your medical team might still be pushing you towards, right? So the first one, the hypo tornadoes. So if you're exercising more, you can expect more in most cases, more of a glucose burn where you're going to need to offset the drop in blood sugars with some carbs to 
keep them balanced, right? But that's not your only option. In fact, different types of exercises might yield a spike in blood sugars, which is the opposite response, right? Uh, you also have the option to adjust your insulin, which uh, you should probably talk to your doctor about, but if your doctor is not supportive, it might be time to find a new doctor. I've fired my doctor in the past more than once, and I encourage you to do what's best for you. Be your own best advocate. So uh, that's something you might want to seek out, some actual medical advice, because I can't give medical advice on YouTube like this. Now, with that being said, if you are seeing lots of drops during the day outside of exercise, it might be an insulin thing as well. You might need to adjust your actual basal rates or long-acting insulin, your fast-acting insulin if you're seeing lows after meals, right? But I say might because, again, can't give you specific advice on a generic platform like this on the internet, okay? Has to be more in a specific role. But if you are seeing lots of lows, you might be doing what we call feeding the insulin. So if you're constantly finding yourself in a need to snack in order to avoid low blood sugars, that's extra calories that you're consuming throughout the day that you might not be accounting for. And you think about, oh, I need 2,000 calories per day to hit my goal. Cool. But what about the extra 200 calories per day you're consuming in low snacks because of the constant drops in blood sugars, right? So this is a common one I see as well. We call it feeding the insulin because the insulin being too strong, there's too much insulin, we have to balance it with extra carbs, but those carbs we weren't planning for. So one of the best things you can do here is just to plan for lows throughout the day or, in my opinion, just fix the blood sugars in general. Like stop going low, <laughs> stop seeing these drops and actually take the time to fine tune your insulin ratios. Another common mistake that I see is following the wrong diet for you. Not the wrong diet in general, the wrong diet for you specifically. Now, what I mean by that is that what diet I'm following is not always going to work for you, and what you're following is not always going to work for somebody else. Our bodies need different things. A lot of people are going to tell you, you have to go carnivore or keto or paleo or high-carb, low-fat. And sure, there are a lot of great options out there. Each diet comes with different benefits, right, pros and cons, but you really have to consider what you are optimizing for. Is it specifically weight loss? Great, there are three different diets that are the best for that specifically. Are you trying to build muscle in addition to lose weight? There's a different diet for that. Are you just optimizing for smooth blood sugars and don't care about weight? There's a different diet for that. Are you looking at functional well-being, supporting your organs and health? There's a different two diets for that, right? But you have to decide which path you are going for. So don't follow these cookie cutter diet plans blindly. I want you to think about what is the outcome that I'm actually aiming for and then building a diet around that. Of course, considering your own body's needs. If you have sensitivities, if you have allergies, if you have preferences, those need to go into your dietary planning as well. And then of course, will you stick to it? That's the final piece for any diet is, are you going to stick to it more than just a couple of weeks? Is this a long-term thing? If yes, it checks all the boxes, continue. Now, the next pitfall that I see a lot of people running into with exercise and diabetes and weight loss and all this are the actual exercises. And you might be doing the wrong exercises. See, different exercises, again, achieve different results, kind of like the diet thing, right? Where, uh, yes, cardio might burn fat, especially if it's targeted to burn fat, like walking at a constant pace for hours on end, but that's not going to be your only answer in many cases. I find that for me, again, personalized, right? For me, 
my best workouts are those that are combined, where I do some functional strength, I do some cardio. Uh, oftentimes now I'm in, involving a lot more mobility as my body requires this of me, but you have to have a customized plan. Now with weight loss, there are a few different strategies. We look at high intensity interval training, but that's not for everyone, right? If you have joint issues or heart issues, there might be a different path for you. So I can't give you one specific answer to be the end all for weight loss, but I can give you general recommendations before even talking with you. One, some form of resistance training for most people is incredibly helpful because it helps with your, your bone density and your joint health, but also allows you to boost your metabolism a bit. Cardio, great for your overall health, your heart, your lungs, right? It's also good for your mood, but it also allows you to target fat specifically. So there's different pieces to these puzzles. I just wanted to give you an introduction that some of the generic cookie cutter advice you've been given in the past might be why it feels so difficult to lose weight. It might be why it feels like you're shooting yourself in the foot every time you step into the gym and try to work out and find yourself eating more sugar than you burn and then, oh, I got worse. How does that even happen? right? <laughs> Hands up if you've ever been frustrated because you finally got the motivation to go to the gym and you ended up taking two steps back. That's killer. That's so frustrating. Now, the last two are surrounding diabetes specifically. Now, number one, this is probably the most common that I see holding people back is not having blood sugars optimized for weight loss. And what I mean by that, I started talking about this earlier actually, where you are feeding the insulin, right? If your blood sugars are not cooperating, like let's say 80% of the time, okay? It's like a B minus, right? It's going to be more difficult for your body to function. It's more difficult for you to get to the gym, to have motivation, to have your diet on track. All these things start to fall apart when your blood sugars aren't in control. Now, of course, I've maintained 90% time and range for almost five years at this point. Uh, like, and when I say almost five years, my 90 day averages consistently show 93, 94, 95% time and range. Uh, time and range defined as 70 to 180. But what you also want to look at is your standard deviation or basically how volatile or up and down are your blood sugars. So after a meal, do your blood sugars stay nice and stable or do they spike and then fall back down or spike and get stuck, right? So we need to optimize our blood sugars so that our body can function well and do its best work and support us in our goals like weight loss, for example. Now, along that journey, you're also going to have a lot of advice coming into you from your medical team. And I hope and pray that you have a solid medical team. But the reality is that most people don't. And a lot more people even don't even know that they don't. Uh, if people come to me and tell me what their doctors and endos re recommend for them, and I can clearly understand this is why they've been having problems for so long. As I started this episode with, I followed the generic advice from medical teams and, and diabetes educators, and I gained 12 pounds of fat while exercising. That <laughs> doesn't typically line up, right? So uh, a lot of these pieces do come together to form a perfect plan, but you have to have each of the pieces in place. Now, speaking of that, I actually wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive. We don't have a lot of time in this episode, which is why uh, in like two minutes, I'll give you guys kind of some next steps. But uh, I wanted to dive just a tiny bit deeper into how I ate 202 grams of carbs 
without having to take extra insulin for it. Now, there is a, a number of things that go into this. One is a glucose burn rate, right? So during the activity itself, which was on the Peloton, so I was just stationary bike, I'm burning glucose through the entire exercise, right? I am also improving my insulin sensitivity as I push for per further distances. But what I didn't get to share with you is that before my ride, I woke up at 6 a.m. already about to go low. <laughs> I was like, great, what a fun start, right? Uh, now the issue is that in addition to almost going low and headed towards the low, it would have happened if I didn't intervene, I also had insulin on board because my insulin pump likes to try to help. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not always gonna be perfect, which is why during the day, I actually turn off my control IQ or the smart algorithm that drives a lot of the decisions for my insulin pump because I use what's called the 80-20 blood sugar formula. See, I can outperform any algorithm that's trying to help with my diabetes as long as I'm awake, right? But when I'm asleep, I do turn it on because what am I going to do? I can't take action from my dreams, right? Now, that being said, woke up heading into a low with insulin on board. So of the 202 grams of carbs, I anticipate about 30 of those, maybe 40 going straight to that situation. So right off the bat, we're down to like 160, right? So about 160 grams are required for the bike ride. Let's pick that apart just a little bit. 10 of those were actually about 15 of those were right at the end and right after. So it was a delayed onset of insulin sensitivity, a little bit of a delayed burn of glucose, we'll call it. Okay. So uh, there's another 15, we'll call it. So 160 down to 145. So now we're at 145 grams of carbs for a three hour and eight minute bike ride. That is a little bit less crazy, but still a little bit crazy, right? Now, what I wanted to consider finally is that that was a new record for me. Two weeks prior, the longest distance I had done was 20 miles. So I had tripled my total distance in two weeks, which means I was still introducing new difficulties, intensities, durations, and types of exercises to my routines. And as we change our insulin sensitivity, our basal rates or long-acting insulin might need to change as well. So I had not optimized blood sugars for this ride. And that is the final piece of the puzzle that we're going to wrap up with before getting into more in depth, you know, which diet does Matt follow and which other types of exercises are best? What's Matt's plan for losing the 12 pounds? I'm actually going to be revealing all of that in a five day challenge for weight loss for type one diabetes, because I don't have time in this episode to go through the eight different types of diets, the four different types of workout schedules and all these different pieces on how to optimize blood sugars. We don't have time for that. And I know most of you just wanted to stop in for some quick tips. So I hope you found this episode useful to grab a couple of quick tips uh, and at the very least to gain some clarity on how what your medical team has been gifting you isn't actually a gift and oftentimes is filled with pitfalls that we would like to avoid, like feeding the insulin that actually cause us to gain fat, right? Now, it's not the insulin itself that we have to blame for the fat, but it's the entire strategy that we need to shift. We need to change, right? So how am I going to burn off the 12 pounds of fat that I put on from this little experiment of mine, right? Ultimately, I'm going to be doing a much deeper dive and, and detailing out all the steps in this five-day challenge that we're doing, but I'm also going to be using the same or similar strategies that I did last year when I put on the eight pounds of fat, 
when I first started training for triathlons. Now, step number one, I'm going to revisit the types of exercises that I'm doing. I'm actually going to add in more resistance training. And the reason is that it allows me to build more of a, we'll call it a fat burning furnace, right? And that's without getting into the science behind it, it's uh, allowing my muscles to take up some of the glucose and it assists in that process. Now two is diet. I want to look at my type of diet. My wife and I are actually in the middle of cleaning up our diets. So I'm going to be removing a lot of the added sugars. I'm going to be reducing a lot of the processed foods and just cleaning things up, but also looking at total calories because totals do still count. And number three, I really got to dial in my blood sugars. I'm still sitting at, I think this last week was 96% time in range for the week. Uh, but in addition to that, whenever we have weight gain or weight loss, our insulin needs actually can change. And I've seen that in my graphs as well, adding more or less corrections and seeing different pre-bolus timing and all that. So I need to revisit that and I really gotta dial in my blood sugars so that I'm not feeding the insulin or taking more insulin than is actually necessary, right? So those are the big picture strategies, but uh, more detail as far as specific dietary changes, workouts, what are the blood sugar strategies on paper? Those are the things that we get to spend more time doing in the challenge, which is why we have it in the first place, so that I can go in and deliver the absolute most value possible instead of trying to cram it into these episodes. But I hope this is still helpful for you. And as silly as this sounds, or maybe as renegade as this sounds, we don't always want to go straight to our doctor for every piece of advice. Sometimes we have more context than the doctors do, and they can certainly help us with their information, their knowledge, but we have to also do our own research, follow our own paths as we seek out our own desired outcomes, especially when it comes to weight loss. We're all a little bit different. It does need to be a personalized plan. This is why we call ourselves the renegade warriors because we think differently right uh, we know it's more than just add food when you exercise because that doesn't always yield results right sometimes it leads to 12 pounds of fat gained <laughs> that's less than desired let's say uh, so if you're somebody who would consider yourself a renegade warrior you you're open to the idea of thinking differently or maybe you're just sick of not seeing the results that you're after with weight loss and blood sugars and trying to get this whole puzzle thing figured out, we've got that five-day challenge. It's called the T1D Weight Loss Challenge. And in that, I'm gonna be spending a day on each of the topics that I just discussed. Diet, exercise, blood sugar optimization. I'm gonna go a lot deeper into it because we'll have more time. I can answer questions, do all that kind of fun stuff. If that's something that you think would be beneficial for you, I highly recommend it because I will be giving away all the secrets and I have the time to do so then. It's going to be at t1dbootcamp.com. t1dbootcamp.com. I promise you it's not a bootcamp for actual exercises. I just like the website name, so I bought it and that's what it's called. But t1dbootcamp.com. That's where you can go register for it. You can get all your materials and get started and uh, start understanding how you can avoid the pitfalls with diabetes and weight loss and actually start to create some forward progress, right? To start seeing actual results. And that's what I want for you is actual progress. So go check it out, t1dbootcamp.com and do add whatever questions you have on these topics down in the comments below. I'm gonna use those and actually answer a few of them in the challenge as well. So I hope you found this one useful. Uh, it's not gonna be uh, all your fault as you're looking at why can't I lose weight? You're probably just doing it the wrong way because you were taught the wrong way. 
And I'm excited for you to start learning the new strategies to finally shed that fat that's been stubborn and stuck. So uh, have a great rest of your day. I'll see most of you in the challenge, I'm sure. And uh, be sure to check out the next episode after you register. We'll see you there and keep up the fight.